755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Welcome to 755 is real presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70 celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. Uh, former left-handed reliever. It's a good time for Braves left-handed relievers right now, Eric. <laughs> Both of them. Both those dudes. All three of them. Yeah, all three of them. How about that? Three of them. Their last three relievers last night. Well, no, Luke was in between Was in between mentor well, and Matt I don't, I don't count Will Smith. I don't count a closer <laughs> as a lefty reliever. You're just a closer. But Matzik and mentor, man, I don't know where the team be without them. Uh, well, we know where they'd be without Matzik, without Matzik, because <laughs> Matzik has done it the whole postseason and the whole year. It's hard to believe that Mentor spent part of the season, a good chunk of season, in Triple A, got demoted. When you look at how good he is right now, I swear, man, him uh, playoff Mentor, the first yeah. pitch he throws is is a different animal. Yeah. Like you, you could see his body language. This dude, he wants to throw seven innings coming out of that pen. He's even, you know, I always discourage guys from getting too emotional on the mound, but he strikes out the first dude and you could see him fist pumping and it's his body language is just different in the postseason. He is aggressive. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't know that the adjustments that he made, he talked about, you know, going down there and and getting himself together mentally and, uh, you know, slight physical adjustments, but mostly it's just mental, just being aggressive and trusting his stuff and all, all the cliches, but they apply to him because he comes back and he's just a beast. He's facing that Dodger lineup last night and Mo's threw him in two innings. And just like Mentor did later, I, I mean, they made the Dodgers look like a, a mediocre team and they had their big hitters up there too. Yeah. And you know, the, the Dodgers are a smart team. And, and when guys yeah. go against the book, you know, like, Minter started mixing in changeups yesterday. The swings yeah. on his changeup. First of all, that dude with a changeup because he's nasty. He's the angle he puts on the ball. He's throwing ninety four cutter. He's locating his fastball, but when he mixes in a changeup, the swings he gets from righties are just terrible. And he was spotting it. I mean, he was throwing it down and away at the at the knees and just getting terrible swings. It, you know, he for me he he's gonna go underrated just because of what Matzik did. But yeah. he played a huge part in this series. Uh, we should have—I should have started this by saying we're coming off the. This was the biggest win for the Braves in a long, long, long time. time last night against the Dodgers. Four-two, hell of a series. The Braves—I picked them in six, but going in, the Braves played a hell of a series. Nobody picked them. I, you know what? The reason nobody picked them nationally is because they look, they were swayed by the 88 wins and the yeah. Dodgers 106 wins. And then the Dodgers beat a 107 win Giants team. That didn't matter because nope. this was not the Braves team, an 88 win team. The nope. Braves team since August 1st was a team every bit as good as the Giants and Dodgers. Those were the only teams with better records than them. And it was only by a few couple of games. And then you fast forward that to that, you know, that got, uh, game they won in San Francisco where Max pitched his ass off and Rosario hit for the cycle. And starting with that game, they haven't lost consecutive games. Nope. And they've been, they've been a terrific team, but they've played over six, 60 ball. They've won more than two out of three games beginning August 3rd. 
They were plugging right after they, the trade deadline once they got everybody in place. I think they have the best record since that point. There's a point where they have the best record in baseball, you know, leading up to right. Not since August third, but not long after that. It's third best since the trade deadline. Right soon after that, you're right. They were plugging now, holes. These, when when we were talking about them early, on, they were plugging holes. They had a couple outs at the bottom of the lineup. Not bad players, but not threats. And once that lineup got deep, it's been a whole different team since since those trades were made, and and you had to worry about power one through eight. Right. It's been a different team. We had, remember, if you remember, and this has been pointed out, Alex himself has pointed out, Alex Antopoulos, this is a team that's literally had three outfields during the year. Yeah. Three different outfields, entirely different. Yep. You started the year with Pache. Yep. Acuna. And I can't even think now. Who was in left? You had Heredia. You had. No, no, no. That was the second outfield. Why can't I think? Uh, uh, duh, Azuna. Yep, he's <laughs> Azuna. Gone. How quickly we forget. Yep. So you start the season with Acuna, Azuna, who were two of your best three players last year, along with Freddie and Pache, and who would who would look so good in the NLCS that we thought he was ready. Everybody thought he was ready. He was not ready. <laughs> he was completely overmatched. Azuna gets hurt, arrested, done for the year. Acuna gets hurt two days before the All Star break, done for the year. So then you have an outfield of Heredia, Almonte. good player, role player. <laughs> yep. Huh? Almonte, Almonte 4A player, nothing personal, 4A player. And, and, and played some good games for the Braves. Yeah. And Arcia, an infielder playing in the outfield, an infielder with very little outfield experience that they had played some at AAA and moved to the outfield. That was your outfield briefly. Until Alex makes the moves – Brings in Jock Peterson after Acuna got hurt. And then at the trade deadline, brings in three outfielders, and we're all going, why did you go get three more outfielders? Well, he know what he was doing. Depth. He's all about depth. You know, can't ever have too much depth. And if he doesn't make those moves, they're probably not here. Every one of those guys contributed in a huge, huge way. All Big four way. of those outfielders. Made a difference. And Rich Rodriguez contributed for a month, really helped stabilize the bullpen. Yep. Allowed the other guys to kind of get their footing and take off. Rich Rod, we shouldn't, you know, because he was so bad in the last month, we shouldn't forget how big his contributions were for a month there. No. And that was another part of the greatest uh, trade deadline any general manager's had, at least in recent memory, that I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you, I think you were saying before we got on, but if they vote for exec of the year after the playoffs, it should be a, right. I mean, there shouldn't even be a, a, a debate. I think it's voted on afterward, not like the BBWA awards. All of our awards, we had to have our votes in uh, before the postseason started. So it doesn't matter what Rosario's doing or what Freddie Freeman's doing. It's all in before. That's So MVP and all that, this has no bearing on that. Executive of the year, though, we don't vote on that. They do, their peers do, and some other panel or whatever. And I think rightfully so that that's voted on after it's all done. Yeah. And if you include the postseason, there's no way Alex Antopoulos doesn't win executive of the year. He would have no won way. it just for trading for Rosario. <laughs> I mean, that was exactly. all he did. He gave up Pablo Sandoval for Rosario. They released him 30 minutes after they got him. Yeah. You know? And they paid some of his salary. Some of uh, they, they gave some money to the Braves to, to help pay the salary. So they're paying. <laughs> they're paying the Braves to go to the World Series. <laughs> And Rosario starts the he gets he's on the IL, so we're not even thinking about him because the other jocks playing great and, and Solaire's 
gets is is on fire when he comes over, and Duvall keeps doing what he's doing, led the leagues in RB, led the league in RBIs, and he's plugging away when he gets over here, keeps raking against for the Braves after raking against them, and we're not even thinking about Soler because he's on the IL with the strained oblique. We're like, yeah, we may never see that guy, yeah. you know. But Alex is going. He's a good player, man. He when he gets here, they'll they'll work him in, and he was on the IL for five weeks. He's been with the Braves less than two months, and he's already a folk hero. Oh, he they're printing jerseys. During the game last night, I saw him printing jerseys as fast as they could, putting those numbers on the back of blank Braves jerseys, oh, trying to that, sell them in the stands. That, People were asking for Yeah, them. they've got that outlet at the at the ballpark where they manufacture the customized jerseys. Yep. yep. Hundreds of them every game. Yeah, he's been fun, just phenomenal. I mean – we were talking about this before we went on. I don't know with all the Braves' storied history in Atlanta of postseason, going to the postseason, I don't know that they've ever had a player have a postseason like Rosario's had from start to finish. They certainly haven't had a, po- a, a player have a uh, LCS or an individual series like he had. I've never seen anything like 14 it. 14 hits. 14 hits. OPS like 1,600, man. And there were clutch homers, three homers. I remember Beltron having a series like that when he was with the Astros. Oh, yeah. But, I mean. Including, it, including against the Braves. Yeah, but you just don't. I, I mean, they're not they're not moving on without him. That that home run he hit last night, that was the first breathing room they had where you felt like, all right, they might get this thing. Yep. And it was yep. every single big at bat he had, he was calm, putting good swings on it. You know, if, even if he didn't get the knock, you know, it was, like when he got out his next at bat after hitting the homer, he flew out to yeah. deep center field. I mean, the whole series he was locked in. Our live blog, we had uh, uh, Maria Torres was 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 our blog writer last night. We were all inputting too, but she was doing constant and she was finding stats all over the place. There was a fascinating stat about all the pitches that he's hit during this. Everything. He's hit everything, everything, every location, and every pitch. <laughs> he's totally locked in. Just man. getting locked in at the right time. I don't know why though. I mean, I was watching the game. And the one spot that I've seen that I do not throw a pitch to Rosario is anything from a righty breaking down and into him. Yes, and I in was his wheelhouse when he was on deck, and and Adrianza hit that double. Wash credit, yeah. credit to Wash because Wash has that itchy For trigger Darno. finger. He's got that itchy trigger. Because Darno finger. was going too. He yeah. was going, and Wash stopped him. Yeah. Darno was like, "Oh, what? No. Oh, not going." On. No, we got somebody he on deck. He would have been out by ten feet. Yep, he would have been out by ten feet. So credit to him for for stopping Darno there, but. I was watching it, and I was I was watching Bueller's cutter, and it, the first the first three or four he threw to him, he kept it. I think the only hole Rosario has right now is up and in, and he kept him just high enough and just tight enough where he couldn't get to him. And I was like, if he leaves one of those cutters down and into Rosario the way he's swinging right now, he's gonna clip him, and he did. I don't know why. I don't know why they went to the well too many times, but I don't know why you would why you would test him down in there when he's as hot as he is. You know, up and away, down and away, he might hit a single, and that, that'll hurt, Yeah, but he's not going to take you deep. He hit one high fastball up and away out in the series, but his nitro, yes, zone, his nitro zone, down and in, breaking into him, taking a little off speed in his bat up, I knew if he went down there, he'd clip it, and he did. I got to give you uh, Dave Roberts' quote about Rosario. Afterwards, he was asked about Rosario. He said, you knew Rosario, but did you have any idea? I mean – Said they were uh, that was a cutter that he threw that down and in yep. that or that he hit for the home run line drive homer too. I mean he rocked that Torched ball, it. dude. It was yeah. only a mat. It was just a question of whether it was going to stay fair, um, and then whether it would hurt somebody when it hit in the <laughs> crowd. Um, 
But he said about Rosario, I don't know how much you've seen Rosario over the years, but how much of a beast was he in the series was the question. Dave Roberts. I'm sure he's holding the MVP trophy of the CS right now. We just couldn't figure him out. He beat us the other way. He beat us to the pull side. He got hits off lefties, off righties. We tried to spin him. We went hard. We just didn't have an answer for him. And when you've got a the big guy looming behind him, that's Freddie, the difference maker. It's just it's just kind of tough to pitch around him. Freddie was clearly hot too, but yeah, we just didn't have an answer for him. And that's the difference maker. You know, I mean, yeah. we talked about that so much with with Freddie winning MVP last year, finally having somebody behind him. But you're picking your poison. They don't know where to pitch Rosario, but you don't know where to pitch Freddie either. You know, I mean, Freddie's Freddie, yeah. and he's looming on deck. You got to come see Rosario with Freddie behind him. It's amazing what they've got, the production they've got from leadoff from start to finish this season through the postseason. Freddie you start with Acuna. You start with Acuna. He gets hurt. He's got like 14 homers from the leadoff spot at the time, like far more than anybody else in the majors. You stick Ozzy in there. He's like, oh, okay, but he hit some bombs. Yeah. I mean, he was still dangerous. Ozzy was doing fine there, not quite as good, so they move him out. Solaire, when Solaire gets hit, they move him in there. Us, totally unorthodox, having six foot five, 240-pound Solaire there. But he produces in the leadoff spot, walks, home runs, keep getting the big production. They move, they're able to move Freddie back to the two-hole. And now you've got when Soler gets COVID in game four, before game four of the NLDS, you put another totally unorthodox guy there. He'd had like one game where he'd ever hit in the leadoff spot, yep. Rosario. And he's just killing it. He, pay, he hit their five out of the six games in the LCS and had the greatest LCS ever. Yeah. I mean, that- <laughs> the production they're getting from leadoff and, and having Freddie Lumen has obviously helped those leadoff guys a lot. Well, it's huge because, you know, you know, Rosario's hot. But you know, Freddie's Freddie. Yep. So if you, it, I mean, ideally, when a guy's that hot, okay, and and you don't know how to pitch him, because we, I remember plenty of series I had playing where we decided this was the guy we're not going to let beat you, and you're going to test the guy behind him. Now, Freddie hit. Freddie went zero for eight in the first two right. games. If he had stayed like that, right? Maybe you do walk Rosario yesterday, but Freddie wound up getting tons of knocks. He's walked however many times in the series. But four you, times you're gonna last load night. The bases. He walked. Yeah. Are you going to load the bases up for Freddie? Yeah, exactly. And that, because Freddie's the guy you need a base open for. Right. Freddie's the guy that you're not going to let beat you. He kills you with so you runners on pick base either, in scoring position. He does. And and bases loaded, you can't walk him, you can't pitch around right. him, you got to come see him. So they have to make the choice, all right, well, you know, we don't know how to pitch Rosario, but it's even a worse scenario if you load the bases up for Freddie. And he's a good matchup for Bueller. So I, I think, you know, Freddie, Freddie should get – he won't, but he should get a lot of credit for being behind Rosario in the series and, and helping him get a lot of pitches to hit. And it just happened that Rosario happened to be locked in and 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 he didn't miss when he did yeah, get Yeah, I'm sure the hit. Dodgers, you know, if they're going to pick their poison, they're, go- they're probably thinking, okay, Rosario can't keep doing this every game. But we know what Freddie is. You know what he MVP. is. We, yeah. But, I mean, so they probably, if they have to, they're, gonna, they're not just going to walk Rosario or pitch around him to bring up Freddie. And Freddie's a nightmare because he'll take his single. You know, they shift yep. him, and, and you don't want him to do damage, but if you pitch him away, Freddie will just slap a ball to left, so and, that's two runs. And then you got Albies and Riley coming up behind him. So you got to pitch to Rosario, and with him that locked in, what happened happened. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. I tell you, man, it's been something covering this team just because I've never seen a team – have such disparate uh, halves and uh, or 
actually first two thirds and last one third where they go from a team muddling along where you knew they could be good, but they never yep. put it all together. And they had injuries every time they did start to put it together. Somebody would get hurt, you know, or something would happen. And then the third, the last third, it all came together like a perfect storm. And those NL East teams have got to be kicking themselves for never either the Phillies or the Mets for never putting 10 games between the rest of the field because the Braves were looming and they gave they let them hang around. And once they went on that 16 to 2 run and did what they had to do against lesser teams, that was the whole ass difference. And elbows. <laughs> that night, that 9 and 0 road trip and a 16 and 2 run. Never been the same after that. But we said it all year, you know, I mean, it, you knew talent was there. You knew the team was the best team, the most talented team, the best starting pitching, especially when DeGrom went down. Yeah. You knew they were the right. best team. And if you watch the team, they Everything went wrong every time. You know, it was like every time the offense clicked, the bullpen happened to be off, and and they just couldn't sync up. But once they synced up, and once they got those that, that they deepened that lineup where you weren't getting off the hook yeah. on the bottom half and getting out of those jams. Once you had to see Dansby at the bottom of the order instead of the one or the two hole, you know, once you had to see yeah. these hitters all the way through. Once they started, you know, for me the, the series that changed it was that series in St. Louis. That's when I bet on the Braves. Was they had a couple of they they finally had those comeback wins that yep they had those comeback wins that they're known for and it, it looked like them again they were down they lo- mm-hmm. they lost some leads and they came back they lost another lead they yeah. came back that's what you watched in this team the previous three years that that made you believe in them in the first place like this team's different they keep fighting they keep fighting the offense doesn't give up the bullpen yeah. holds them in games and they get back in them. You know, that was when I started thinking, all right, they're, they're about to go on a run. And they did. And that's when it started. That's when the yep. run started, August St. 3rd, Louis. St. Louis series. And, yep. and they had all the that, – by that point, they had all the trade deadline guys in. Zoller was still hurt. But the other guys, because only Duvall had showed up on the trade deadline. The other guys came in like a day later, and they had to work them in. But that point was when they all started to contribute. And they had that game against the Cardinals Reyes. closer where they just – where they one by one went up there patient and took walks, including Ozzy. Sandoval walked, and, Solaire walked, yes, and 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 Aussie walked. You know, like just good at bat, good at bat, good at bat, and then the dude got the big hit. Who'd you say, Sandoval? Sandoval no. walked in that game. No, he was traded. Maybe it was that Rosario. It would have been Rosario. Rosario, because you it got to the Rosario. nine hole. You got eight nine right where it was going to yeah. be tough, and and they had great at bats and walked, and then Solaire came up. I didn't know Solaire yet, and I thought, all right, yeah. he might he might exactly. try to do damage and win this thing, and he took a walk. Yeah. And when I, when I saw the team having those at bats and and grinding back into a game like that, I thought, all right, they got a shot because other teams try to do too much there. They just yeah. pass the torch and let you know once they, once Ray has messed up, they got him. But once they started having those big comebacks, I thought, all right, they're back. They got their mojo back. They're they're going to do this thing. And from that point on, they just ran away with the division. And that, that's kind of what pisses me off about everybody focusing on. You know, I've seen. The Blue Jays won 88, won more games than the Braves. The Mariners won more games than the Braves. Look at all these teams that won more games than the Braves. But this is a yeah. different team than, than the first team. half team. You got to look at what they did in August, September, and the playoffs. Because what they did before that doesn't matter. Nope. It doesn't matter. Once you got it, into postseason, it doesn't matter what you were four months ago because it's an entirely different team. Uh, literally a revamp, a different outfield. Yep. And they a had the Dodgers outfield. beat. They had the Dodgers beaten every game except the blowout. Oh, they could have swept them, dude. Yep. They could have swept the Dodgers. Yep. You know? I mean, they're just a better team right now than the Dodgers. 
Yeah. The Dodgers, you could say that the Dodgers got beat up because they had to play all the way to the wire. They had to hold off. And then they had to beat the Cardinals. They had to play the wild card game. All right, that's fine. But the Braves had – look at the injuries the Braves overcame, man. Literally two MVP candidates last year, Acuna and Azuna. Both got MVP votes. Azuna was way up. What was he, in the top five MVP last yep. year? They lost, lost both Soroka. of them for the whole year. They never had Soroka. I mean – and this is a team with a hundred million dollar less payroll than the Dodgers. A hundred million dollars. Yep. So I, I honestly, I think, it. I think Snit was the difference maker too. Snit, Snit for oh, me outmanaged Dave Roberts. Absolutely. We talked about this off camera. I don't know how much of that Dave Roberts' fault and how much of, you know he's getting told by the analytics people, the GM. Because I, I find it hard to believe he made all those pitching moves because they made some dumb pitching moves. And, and I think some of that might have been coming from the analytics department, using starters and as closers and on short rest. And I, with that bullpen depth, it was unnecessary, man. What a crazy postseason, too, how many bullpen bullpen games you've seen. as a, at a, I mean, what, this series, the Dodgers had two bullpen game games. Game one. And game one, game and, then one. An, and an elimination game. Yeah. That game... I'm going back to find that. Yep. It was in that uh, the last two walks in that six-run eighth inning were bases-loaded walks, or there were four bases-loaded walks. Adrianza, vote. Vote, that's contrib- right. That guy also contributed, man. Vote. Yep. Albies, that was the one where we're like, oh, Albies went up there and took a I walk. I thought Albies you know? was going to hack. And, and then Solaire takes the last one. After being up, uh, after being down 0-2, Solaire worked a walk in yeah. that inning. That was when when so, I saw that at bat out of him, I was like, "All right, this isn't the dude I thought he no. was." I thought he was just going to be hacking, but he's had a high OBP with that power too. And and last night he, he comes in and pinch hits and had muscles that doubled left field off the yeah. handle. I don't even know how he did it. So that's a big ad for the World Series, man. Because remember, two games in AL City to start and two to finish if it goes seven. DH. The Braves are, it's like, here comes our DH back off the IL. It's interesting to see how the lineup's going to play out because I think, I mean, you can't take Rosario out of that leadoff spot. No, and you don't have to. I mean, if you take him out of the leadoff, you don't have to take him out of the lineup. You don't have to take Jock out of the lineup if you don't want to. You can use all four of them now and use one as a DH. Solaire could be in the 6-7 hole. Yeah, I mean, they just got a lot better. Yeah, because he's in great shape. He didn't lose anything. He worked out some, I think, at the site and all that. And and he and I'm sure he's hitting these two days. He'll take live pitching, live VP. You've got a DH right there. It's like you rested your DH for the NLCS. And now you got him back. Yeah. How do you think they stack up, dude? The, the Astros have the best lineup, I think, in baseball. But the Braves are not far behind it at all, especially with a healthy Solaire in there. They're not far behind him at all. And Rosario hitting the way he is. Freddie now back hitting the way he is. Short Darno, they're not left. getting anything out of. They're not getting much out yeah. of Darno. That would help. Duvall's not doing a whole lot. Um, but if you look at the Astros, uh, first of all, before we get to that, you mentioned the uh, the uh, we Snit and the and the decision last night that had even us in the press box questioning it, but it worked beautifully. He pinch hits for Ian Anderson. Ian's pitching really well. And Ian you're great. going, you really want to do that? Darno gets on Darno's on first base with two out, and you pinch it for Ian. And you're going, really? Maybe Darno's at second base, but really you can do it with two out. 
and it worked beautifully because Adrianza gets that double to right field. You got two and that's when Wash held up Darno. For once, he holds up somebody and he because yeah. he would have been out. So you got two in scoring position for the hottest hitter on the planet, Rosario. Yeah. And what does he do? He hits the three-run bomb that changes the whole game. So if Snit doesn't pinch hit for them there. Might lose the game. That was yeah, the game. they certainly. So, I mean, I question it, but that was ballsy, man. Because that's, you know, that goes against everything Snit's about in the old days. But he knows what the game, how the game's played right now. And he wanted to go for it right there. And he trusted his guys, his bullpen guys. There's something about just having that gut feel. You know, I mean, that that's not a move I'd expect Snit to make. Because he didn't make that move. that ain't move coming from that. He let Morton either. hit. No, he he let Morton hit earlier in the series. And that move worked. Charlie sure went did. two more innings. But I'm going to be honest. When he made that move, I was like, shit. Ian's looking so good. So were we. You know, I think so everybody was like that. And I think that's probably the coolest thing about Snit. If you watch other managers in this postseason, a lot of them were managing, it felt like to me, to answer questions. You know, play, right. playing the move that you, you know, if this goes wrong, I have to answer less right. questions about. So that's what makes it so hard for Snit. Because if if Minner doesn't come in out of the pen and, and he's lights out like he was, yeah, you might lose a series if you don't get a run there. You know, if, if Adrianza pops out or flies out to the track or something, Right. And you go into that next inning, and whoever, whatever reliever comes in and gives it up, the series is on snit, fire snit. Everybody hates him. So it takes balls to make that play. But he knew this was a chance, and he felt like it was a chance to score some runs, and he just trusted his gut. Because I can't tell – I promise you, there were no numbers or anybody you know, on his shoulders telling him he had to make that move. That was just him saying, now's there's the time no to, to go. Yeah. Adrianza was going to do that. No. And there's no reason to think he's going to get two perfect innings from two different left-handers because yep. he hadn't done. Matzik has done it one time all year. Mentor has done it. You know, Mentor has been a one inning, one and a third inning guy. Yep. And and Luke had struggled a couple of times in the series, and he did again. But you got two massive appearances from those two lefties, and then Will Smith because you have no other guys you can go to if those guys don't pull through. No, you're going to throw Jacob Webb in there. You're going to go Dylan Lee. You're going to go, I mean, those are your guys. And they had to come through and they did. But that was, uh, that ends up being, uh, that pinch hit appearance was just humongous. How they match up, I think you got the two hottest hitters that were left in the postseason, even before the Dodgers and uh, the Red Sox were eliminated. You got the two hottest hitters in Jordan Alvarez for the Astros and Rosario for the Braves. Yeah. Um, Jordan Alvarez for the for the postseasons, 50, 15 for 34, two homers, four doubles, a triple, eight walks. He's got a 535 OBP. He's hitting 441, and he's got a 1329 OPS. Then you got Kyle Tucker, who's on fire. He's got four yeah. bombs, 15 RBIs in 10 games. He's hitting uh, 275. He's got a 934 OPS. And you got Correa, who's come alive. He's had some big, huge hits. He gets uh, big hits. He's always scary. Yeah. yeah, he's scary. He's he's at 297, 855. He only got one homer. It was a big one, though. Um, and Altuve, he's got three bombs, but he's only hitting 200 in the in a postseason. He's eight for 40. I know he's, you know, he always comes up with big hits, but he's eight for 40. Uh, 802 OPS. Really, the, the only three guys they've had that have been big for the whole postseason are Alvarez, Tucker, and Correa. It's 855 OPS. But if you just look at it, I know Bregman's had a big series, though, too. He's kind of come alive. He had a big uh, LCS. So, I 
you know, if you just look at it numbers wise, I think the Braves are right there with them, man. I don't think the Braves take a backseat to anybody in this thing, and and they're they don't have anybody who's really slumping terribly in the postseason. No, you know, Darno hadn't done a ton, but uh, you don't need a lot from Darno. You just need him to catch like he is, and you're fine. When you get an extra bat, you know, for four of the games, you you get huge. To, that's the brave strength is that depth of the lineup. Having to fill in an extra, you know, put somebody in the nine hole is not a problem for them. A lot of teams, you know, National League teams, all of a sudden you're putting somebody at DH or filling in a spot in that lineup of a guy that wouldn't be in the lineup anyway, and you're in an advantage with an eight-man lineup. When you go to nine, the Braves have guys yeah. waiting that they're trying – they've been trying to get these guys. You know, you got Jock and, and Soler that you're trying to find a bath for, Rosario. You're trying to get these guys in. You get a DH, it solves a problem for the Braves. You got the Braves have Eddie Rosario ten games and he's hitting all ten games in the postseason. He's hitting four seventy four, thirteen thirteen OPS. So he's right there with uh, Jordan. I mean, they're like, like I said, the two out of sitters. And uh, and the LCS was another level. He had three multi hit games, two four hit games in the LCS. Uh, Freddie Freeman starts out the the uh, LCS zero for eight with seven strikeouts, four four strikeouts in one game, four walks in last night's game. But for the postseason. Everybody's thinking because he has over eight, seven strikeouts. Is he hurt again? All oh, the bone spurs back. That was ridiculous. So Everybody's just like every time he has a, a bad game, they think he's hurt again. He's not hurt. He's he's having a great postseason. The guy's hitting 294, 455 OBP for the 10 game postseason. OPS is 1,072. No, he's not hurt. <laughs> 10 mm-hmm. walks and 10 hits in the postseason. That ball he hit in game five. <laughs> yeah. Torch the ball, first inning. You know, the thing I like too about, about the Braves is all their lefties have a little bit of oppo power and you got that Crawford box yeah. in left field. Oh yeah. You know, that oh, gives yeah. you, it's short and right down the, it's big, you know, uh, Minute Maid's big in, in center field, right, right center, left center is kind of big. Tiny and left. Tiny and left and tiny and right. Yeah, and that's where a lot of their lefties do damage. Crawford boxes are almost as bad as right field at Yankee Stadium. It's easy to hit a home run to. Yeah. Not quite, but close. Jock can slap uh, one up there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do it. Jock Peterson, 10 games. Started out, remember, as DH. First three games in uh, Milwaukee. Three games, DH. Home run, single, home run. <laughs> Pinch he's been in yeah. the lineup since then, but you could argue that he's the one guy that it doesn't matter if he's in the game defensively. He's going to hit. It doesn't matter yeah. if he's if he's in the lineup as DH or if he's pinch hitting. I think the DH, I mean, obviously, he's going to be in the lineup in, uh, in the games in Houston as a DH or outfielder, but. Man, you could argue that he's almost a better weapon as a as a as a pinch hitter when they come back to National League City with Soler back. You know, he's such a dangerous pinch hitter, man. He is. He's just, you know, some guys are just born with that ability yeah. to sit around all game and still roll up there and have a good at bat. Some guys can't. You know, you see you see great players come up in big situations and they've been sitting all game and have a terrible at bat. Yeah. Jock, man, you just you feel good about it. You can sit him for six, seven innings, and you get a you get a spot where you want to use him. It's a good matchup. Throw him up there. Look what he did against Milwaukee. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it, crazy. they're in good shape. So for the for the postseason, you know, he's been in the lineup since that uh, for the last seven games after you know D, uh, pinch hitting early. He's had two seventy six nine oh nine OPS because of the three bombs, nine ribbies. Uh, like I said, so he started out three for three when he was pinch hitting those first three games. He's eight for 29 in the postseason. That means he's what five for 26 in the lineup. I mean, he's been fine, but I just think he's, if you can use him as a pinch hitter in the National League games, I would. I'd go with Soler in the lineup, man. 
Yeah. Um, Austin Riley, he's hit 250, but he's done damage. He's had two doubles, two homers, a couple of us. Uh, what did he have? Didn't he have a sack fly? I forget. But he's hit a lot of line drives, too. I mean, he's he's a presence up there. 752 OPS for the postseason. Uh, Duvall hasn't done a lot, but he had a better uh he had better LCS. Uh, yeah. He's got, he's got, he's only had one homer, four ribbies. Um, you could argue that, uh, you know, you could have, you could put Jock in a lot of for matchups, depending on the matchup over Duvall, if you wanted to, And uh, so it's going to be some, some things to look for when they get back to the NL, back to Atlanta, you know, who and, do you sub out? Cause you're playing Solaire. I don't know who you sub him out for though. Well, and nobody has a weapon like Matzik in the league. No, no. The way he's, and then, uh, <laughs> He's going Ozzie, they're still right waiting now. for Ozzy to really catch fire. You know he's going yep. to. He can, it's not going to surprise you at all if he has a couple of huge games in a World Series. Yeah. He hasn't done much yet, but, you know. So, and Darno struggle, I said, you know, he hasn't done much of anything at the plate. You know, struck out 13 times, through one at bat. So, uh, and Dansby hasn't done much of anything at the plate. And you know he's probably going to have some big games, but he's done so much defensively. That play yeah, he made to close the game last night. He made that look. I mean, that was a difficult that was play, man. For him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, uh, then you're looking at yeah the pitching staff. I mean, they've got when you look at uh, when you look at what the Braves are running out there bullpen wise now with those three lefties. If you can get Luke back on, I don't know. I don't know if Luke got a tired arm, but I think the rest is really going to help him. Having a couple of days could really help him. I think with um, Luke, sometimes there's just a team that has your number. I, yeah. I don't, you know, he didn't look any different to me. He did. It was funny because, you know, watching the broadcast, they're saying, oh, his slider's just not the same and saying shit like that. And that's just because he gave it up for a couple yeah. games. But he looks good to me. I, I think that sometimes you just run into a team that has your number. Yeah. It's not like he was up there throwing 91 all of a sudden. He was still no. throwing hard. And I, and I thought he threw a couple of good sliders too. And that stupid pitch Bellinger hit, man. Like, yeah. Ridiculous. It, yeah, exactly. Um, tip your cap. Rotation-wise with McCullers, if McCullers is out, and I guess he is, um, that's huge for them. The Braves have yeah. an advantage in the rotation. There's no question. McCullers had an 084 ERA in his two starts in the postseason. If he's out, I mean, you're looking at the other guys. Um, there are other starters. Framber Valdez, he's going to start the game one against Charlie. Framber Valdez. He has a 4-2-0 ERA in the postseason and three starts. He's given up 16 hits and 15 runs, a couple of homers. Um, Charlie's got the decided advantage in that. Zach Grinke, he's made one start, got got knocked around, left really early, what, left in the second inning? Yep. Uh, Luis Garcia, he's got a 9-6-4 ERA and three starts in the postseason. Braves have a big advantage in the, in the rotation, man, with McCullers out. I think Friedel... You know, Freed in his last start, he just looked quick to the plate to me. And, and but that's his that's his kind of go to adjustment. And yeah, that was a big game. And, and you know, he got runners on. He got runners on early in that game. And a lot of times, you can build that bad habit because the Dodgers had ran. They'd ran a lot in this series. You know, they, yeah. they took some bags. And I think you can get into a habit of speeding yourself up, and then that that just alters your timing for the rest of the game. You don't even really realize it happening, but. I think Freed will make that adjustment, get that little pause at the top, and and he'll be back to normal. He, it's one bad start, so I don't feel bad about him at all. Yeah. And Ian looked great yeah, he, yesterday. He looked great. He, he looked, looked great. great. And I thought I thought Max just the fact that he got distracted on that one pitch and hit and hit who did he hit? Uh, Turner, I think. Pollock. He hit Pollock. Pollock. Anyway, 
I've never seen him do that before. To me, that was what you were talking about. That was a he was caught up in them running, and you know, and 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 Darno's not throwing anybody out, but he's not getting much help. But and Darno threw his hands out. up. Yeah, yeah he wanted to a, stop. Yeah. So I've never met, seen Max go through that at all, and I so I think. I think having he got like sixty tickets for family and friends. The place that was fifty four thousand people at Dodger Stadium. It was a den. I think getting that out of the way, I, I think that was his bad start. And and I'm expecting him to come out and be what he's been the rest of August, September, and before that in the postseason. Yeah, and there was some weird shit going on in Dodger Stadium. You know, I didn't, yeah, I'm not going to accuse anybody that, of anything, yeah. but you saw a lot of different swings yesterday. And we I, talked I think, about that. We wanted yep. to see what they would do. When they got yeah. home, the the biggest thing I saw, you know, uh, they did a lot of damage with runners on second base. You know, I wouldn't say they were doing any electronical shit, but they were pretty damn good. If you ask right. me, at picking up signs and breaking down sequences, the coolest thing I saw yesterday was when Matzik came in. He threw three yep. pitches. He threw three pitches to Pujols, and you saw him give those horns. Yeah. That's a two to to Darno at home plate. So he's switching up the signs after three pitches to Pujols. Throws a slider. Pujols misses it by a foot. Yep. Faces Souza, so now you've only thrown one pitch with that set of signs. Faces Souza, strikes him out, and after that strikeout, you see Darno go like this to mix the uh-huh. signs up again. So he used three different sequences over eleven pitches and got out of the biggest the biggest moment of the series. I think the Braves kind of caught on that they got to be, yeah. you know, real paranoid, and it, it's not easy to do that because you're you're caught up in the moment. You know, it's, it's right. easy to get crossed up when you're changing the signs that often. You got to be focused. But I thought that was the biggest thing I saw out of the Braves yesterday was kind of catching on. You know, you, you can't be too paranoid in this game. And, you know, nobody's more paranoid than when they play the Astros. But yeah, I thought that at, was a huge at thing. At Houston. At Houston. You know, so, uh, you know, I think they'll be using multiple signs with nobody on. Yeah, I haven't seen – I haven't noticed him do that so blatantly, come off the mound and do that thing. Like, so obviously, he was switching signs right there. Yep. And I think they had a day to talk about it after they leave Dodger Stadium. And I think they probably thought – talked about the same thing we did. It just seemed like they knew or had a good idea what was coming on a lot of those pitches. The ball Bellinger hit for me, man, is a big red flag after swinging under a slider and then getting to- on top of 97 at your eyes. You're not doing that without a little help. And, again, it's, it's – if off a of loop yeah and if if you're yeah. you know it's not cheating it's not cheating yeah. if you're on second base and you you know what signs a guy right. tends to use and you crack that and you're giving signals right. to the that's been in baseball for 100 years that's Part that's game, normal, yeah. totally acceptable but as a team you know the, the braves had to look at that at bat and say there's Counter no that. there's no chance bellinger hits that ball four 420 to, to right center at his eyes after swinging under a slider you know so yeah that tells you he's hunting slider but I, I just thought, like for them, you know, that was that was smart, and I think they'll go into this Houston series and be real paranoid, and I think that's the right move to make. One, you know that the reputation, you know, Houston's done this before, done yep. every means necessary, legal or otherwise, to get illegally in the 2017 yeah. World Series. You know that already, and on top of that, you know Charlie Morton is going to remind all the pitchers and tell them, you know, whatever he knows about what yeah. you know Houston has done in the past. So. That's going to help, man. And he's also going to be able to. He's also going to be able to to to. And Charlie shares everything he knows with guys. He's the most yep. forthcoming guy. He's going to let them know what to expect from the crowd there with the dome shut. Everything it's be loud. he's going to know. And he's played with almost every one of these Astros. That's a big gun on this team. He played with them, which helps. So he's going to be able to give the best scouting reports. You hear little stuff, you know. I mean, I I would hear little things like Eric Kinski. He would say every time a pitcher shakes. I look fastball in. 
if I ever face Hinsky again, you know, I remember that. But that's the stuff being in a clubhouse with guys they talk about, and you still remember it four years later. So Charlie's going to yeah. have little stuff like that that he knows about Altuve's approach, about Correa's approach, guys he played with that, you know, that's not going to show up in the scouting report or the tendencies, but he's going to know mindset stuff about the guys. You know, does this guy want to be a hero? Who wants to do damage in these situations? Who's real patient? Who's going to hunt off speed? He'll have a lot yeah. to pass on, you know, especially in those pitchers meetings before the series starts of just tendencies and, and little inside stuff on these guys. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. We can only hope that uh, Waffle House is back in the uh, in the uh, press, in the media break room when we come back for game three, <laughs> because they obviously brought good luck. Bill yeah, Plasky's comments that everybody in Braves country has probably know about right now in the LA Times about the Waffle House. Uh, that became a cause. <laughs> I love uh, that Boilo, shit. Did you see Boilo's shoes? His wife's an artist. Did you see the shoes she did? Yep. Some Adidas, she painted a Waffle House thing on the sides of the shoes. Then he had the shirt that said Battle ATL with the Waffle House logo, done in the Waffle House logo style. So we get back for game six last night, and in the in the media break room, at uh, or in our lunchroom at the stadium, Waffle House has two women there with the cooker and all that doing waffles in our break room. So the L.A., all the writers come in there, and, this, and it smelled great. It smelled like a Waffle House in there. So she had waffles cooked fresh for us the whole game in there. It was awesome. So hopefully they do that and they help out the cause during the, during the middle games of the World Series because yeah, they got that, a lot of free pub. That wasn't a sterile shopping mall last night. No, no, it was not, man. It's a different atmosphere in the postseason altogether. I mean, you know, I'm one that I, that that believes the ballpark should be downtown. But I tell you what, for the postseason, the battery has uh, the the uh, Truist Park has been terrific. Uh, the 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 fans have been outstanding. They really have. They pack the place. They get loud as hell. And the way the place is built, it's stacked up on the sides. It gets loud in there, man. It's built yep. a lot, lot more than Turner Field because Turner Field had an open outfield and, and it, it, didn't, it didn't come. Yeah, they were pushed back. They were tiered back. This place is like cantilever, I think it's what it's called. They're more stacked. They don't go back because they yep. had to do that for Olympic Stadium. You know, they built it back for a track stadium. This place are stacked on top of each other, so you get kind of the effect you get at Dodger Stadium behind it was stacked. They're stacked all the way down to the corners and then around a little bit over, you know, the chop house and then around a little bit out in left center. So. It gets really loud in there. It's not as loud as Dodger Stadium because they don't have the music turned up to ear-splitting decibels where people have to yell on top of the music. Yeah, yeah. But So it's kind of artificial noise at Dodger Stadium. It's so loud in there that people yell on top of it. But I tell you, for 40000 it is really loud in there. Every bit as loud as it was in Milwaukee. And Houston's going to be the same thing. So these are four of the best atmosphere for postseason. Milwaukee, Atlanta, Dodger Stadium and now Houston. Those are all great atmospheres for postseason. Fenway would have been good too. You know, I, I think oh, yeah. if you're if you're the Astros, you keep that roof closed no matter what. If oh, it's eighty five outside, you close that thing and make it loud. They're going to. MLB when the Braves played there years ago and the Astros kept it closed or closed it right before the game started. It was beautiful weather outside. And the and the people complained about how noisy it was in there. So MLB said we're going to make that decision from now on. So they decided based on the weather. But Why? I think they stopped at some point because now they let the teams do it. I think they let yeah. the teams close it because the Brewers had it closed when the weather was really nice outside. So we'll find out. But yeah, I remember it's a home when field I was advantage. with uh, it's a home field advantage. It, you should do it hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. When I was with uh, Seattle, I think the rule was 
you could open or close the roof once during the game. Right. You know, so you couldn't, couldn't go just, back and forth. You couldn't yeah. just close it when to turn you know, it up. Yeah, but right. I think you know if if you got that option, uh, you enclose that sound and make it as loud as possible. Yeah, yeah. I think they I think they have to. They can't do it in in the middle of an inning either. If they are going to close it, it has to be after an inning or whatever. So yeah, whatever. We'll see. I, I fully expect it to be closed the entire time. There, it's so much louder with that roof closed. And you can't but, tell me anybody but Astros fans are pulling for the Astros. Oh, yeah. The Braves are now America's team. You know, you got Dodgers <laughs> fans be. pulling for the Braves now. Even team, even places that hate the Braves, they hate the Dodgers more. I mean, they hate the uh, Astros more. You got to. <laughs> They're a damn good team, though, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. easy to discredit them after the cheating, but it's a damn good team. And a lot of people are going to, some people are going to find it hard to pull against him because of Dusty. I mean, he's so lovable. The guy's so respectful and everybody loves Dusty. Everybody loves Dusty. Yep. You're going to have a 72 year old manager. You're going to have a guy six years older than Snit managing against him. How about that? That's cool. Oldest two times, only two times, two managers been over 65 for game one of the world series. And how cool is it that Snit's son is the hitting coach for the Astros? I was just thinking that. Snit said, we're going to have a, a World Series trophy in the house one way or the other. <laughs> that is cool. I didn't know he was the hitting coach because he, he kind of climbed the ranks fast. Last time I knew him, he was still, Troy. He was still playing. Yeah. 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 And he spent a lot of time in the minor leagues there. Yeah. So, very cool. I think it's going to be a great series. I really do. And I picked the, I picked the Braves to beat the Dodgers. I was kind of alone in that. And I'm picking the Braves to beat the Astros. I think they're. I think. I think the Astros healthy are healthier than the Dodgers were, but I like the Braves' rotation a lot more than I did going in. I thought the Braves' rotation stacked up with where the Dodgers' rotation was, and that was before the Dodgers had injuries. I think the Braves' rotation is better than the Astros in without McCullough, and that's huge. And I think the bullpen is every bit as good or better than the Astros' bullpen. Well, if better, you got a guy like if them. if you got Matzik in your pen, yeah. <laughs> Your pen's better than pretty much everybody, you know. I mean, because you can just bring him in to bring him in that situation last night. I felt like yeah. he was getting out of it. Yeah, I felt like he could get out of it. How did many you times? Really? I did. I thought this dude's gonna get out of it. Just just watching him because every time he makes his own mess, he cleans it up. The only time you see him gives up give up runs is kind of when he gets yanked. But it's like he's got that that ability to to lock in more when pressure's on him. And yeah. I just I just thought when he came into that, I was texting buddies. I said he's going to punch out pool holes on a slider. I don't know who's on deck, but a pinch hitter coming in against him is not going to be able yeah. to hit his fastball. And then Betts is going to be a battle, but he needs to stay hard and not leave any off speed in the zone. And he kind of, he you know, he followed that plan pretty close. But yeah. my buddy's a huge Dodgers fan. The guy I was texting. He was like, no chance. They're, they're winning the whole series right here. You know, nobody's good enough to get through these guys. But yeah. I, I just feel like with the way he pitches and and you can bring him into any situation. And I thought it was yeah. huge. I thought it was huge that Snit gave Luke a chance. You know, a lot of people criticized him for that, for bringing in Luke. But, but he's same, done it all year, man. You can't just all like year. off of one bad game. Yeah. But the same thing. I thought thing Pujols that, scared me a little bit, though. I thought Pujols, but he did. He was smart. He didn't just throw him fastballs, you know, and yeah. try to get that. It, he was smart. I thought Pujols might be able to just you know, flick a little hit out to right field, you know? Yeah. I mean, Pools has been pretty good in the series. 
It could have been he's his last at bat ever, too. So you know he's but locked once he in. struck him out, but once he struck him out, I was with you. I thought he's he might get out of this once he got him out. Yeah, and if you, that was what so that for me was something else I keyed in on. He threw Pujols. A, nobody hits Matzik's fastball, right? It, it's it's special. It's nasty. It, it, it's got it's movement, special. man. He's got extension or deception or spin or something. Guys can't square it up, and then he mixes in that slider, and it's yeah. it's not even fair. But when he switched up the signs on Pujols, he threw Pujols a fastball in, and Pujols was early. And he said, I'm not taking any chances. And he threw up the, those horns, you know, to switch the signs. Yeah. That, for me, was something I keyed on. Like, damn, Matzik is in total control of this moment. Because a lot of guys would be overwhelmed and not be able to think like that. But he thought, yeah. you know what? That was a pretty good swing on my fastball in. I'm going to switch up the signs just to not take any chances. And that, for me, was the most impressive thing. You know, he's another guy. He's kind of a perfect – he's kind of a, a – a, a, a perfect representative sample of this team in that he's he's overcome so much individually that most guys can't even comprehend but mentor getting sent down second time yeah. he's done that in a within a season he, mentor has seen the other side he hasn't just had a free ride in, in the major league or all success he has seen all both sides of it had a terrible season uh, last year or the year before um these guys have all been through a lot look at uh look at luke i mean luke you know Luke was sent up and down like six times in a year. 75 times. Look at Will yeah. Smith getting booed, you know? Yep. Will Smith's been through the grinder and been ripped. None of these guys have had it easy. And then you no. look at the guys in the lineup. They've all had different stuff they've overcome. Guys getting traded, cast-offs. So this is not a team that's just had an easy road at all. And then they overcame so again and again and again during the season. So they get to the postseason, and they're playing their best ball of the year. They're steely, man. They're, they're These guys are hard. They are hardened after getting through it all and having four months where they were trying to get a run going. Then they get a run going. So I think right now they feel like they can be there, anybody, and they can. I'll so put them up against anybody. Right team, right time. They're, they 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 came into this series playing the, their best ball, hot team. We've seen it before. We've seen the Cardinals win it was an 88-win team. We've seen the Marlins win two as a wild card. Giants did at least one of those as a wild card. Braves were, in effect, a wild card. You know, the division was so weak. They had 88 wins. They get in, and all bets are off. It doesn't matter what how many wins you had during the season. It's what you've been doing lately, and they've been playing great ball. And they got they got so many guys that have just got big balls, dude. Big <laughs> balls. And led by and the biggest Smith's got the biggest balls, man. That, that move he made yesterday. But Snit also deserves credit for – when when Will Smith was going through his struggles, sticking with him, and, sticking and with him, that was a lot something of us I thought, thought he shouldn't. That was the thing I thought the whole time is if yep. you get him locked in, you're gonna need a closer in the playoffs. Like you got to get him through this because right. and and that's I think that's something that you know I don't know who's calling shots on a lot of teams, but a lot of teams would have would have swayed away from Will, and then he loses and Alex his confidence. Doesn't call, Alex doesn't tell Snit what to do. They have a great relationship, and he does not tell Snit what to do. And he deserves a lot of credit for sticking with his closer. And and yes. you know, I'm sure I'm sure he second guessed it a few times. You know, that game in San Diego, it, it was probably hard not to yank him and throw anybody yeah. else in there after a couple big blown saves. But you know, you know, you know, as a manager, if we're going to go deep in the postseason, we need a closer. Yeah. And you're thinking that game in San Diego was huge, man. It was huge. What he did. What he did down the stretch there that game. The game against Philly. I mean, he had some big fucking saves, man. That 
I thought he should change it. And if he had, if he listened to dummies like me and it hadn't worked out, then how screwed up would the bullpen be? You know? Well, I mean, and you could lost Will Smith too if you'd have bumped him down to a setup role. You don't know what he's going to do in that role, but you, you, you never even hesitated. You and all the his teammates say so you're our guy, man. Disregard yeah. what you're hearing if you're hearing anything. And I don't think Will Smith was paying to shit any attention to what was being said at that time. He hears he should know, better. and they don't boo him at the place like they did online, right at the ballpark. But it, that's the last place you want your bullpen in is a position where when they come into a game. If they blow it, they're getting demoted. Right. You, you have to be patient with your relievers. And, and that means you got to stick through some blown saves and a blown hold in the seventh inning with Luke Jackson, guys like that. And that's why Snip pitched him last night was to try to get him back on track because they need him. You know, it, it, yeah. you, can, you can hide from the guy, but if you hide from him and he feels like when you call him, when you call his name and bring him into a game that you don't want to and right. you feel like he's going to give it up, that hurts their confidence. When you show them that confidence and throw him right back out there, Bobby was the king of that, and that's who Snit learned it from. But it, it gives the guy the confidence, like, you know, my manager's not hung up on this outing. Why should I be? You go out there yeah. and you give it everything you got. And, you know, it didn't work out with Luke yesterday, but but Snit understands how important that message is to stick with his guy and tell him, you're still our guy. You know, Kelly Johnson talked about that all the time when he started off his career 0 for 27. Yeah. Bobby kept rolling him out there and saying, you're our guy. What a difference that made in Kelly's whole career. So I think Snip deserves a lot of credit for sticking with his guys and under understanding how important that message is. There were at least five times that we asked Snit after games in the second half of the season, especially down the stretch, about Will Smith. How long could he stick with him? In effect, asking him, you know, are you thinking about changing it? And he didn't just say, we'll see, or, you know, we'll evaluate that. Or, you know, he said he's doing okay. He went over the out of his way and over the top, doubling down, saying – not just that he's our guy, but he's pitched great. Look at the number of blown saves. He's been with the best guys. He's doing the job. He went, and everybody's going, rolling their eyes, going, holy shit, what's he seeing? But he made sure that Will Smith knew, I'm not even thinking about moving you out of that role. Don't matter what every, don't listen to what these idiots are saying, you know, O'Brien or what he's writing or what they're saying on Twitter or anything. He's letting you know, he's, you're our guy. And his teammates are saying the same thing to him. It's invaluable. And it's, you know, it's, I'm sure he had his thoughts, you know, I'm sure there's times yeah. where he's like, fuck, we might Probably lose this one. It, yeah. You know, I mean, that's in his head, but him understanding the the mental aspect and how important it is to send that message to Will Smith and what it can do for him. And if we get him through this storm and he comes out strong, we got a closer for the playoffs. You know, yeah. same thing with Luke, same thing with your guys, ha sticking with your guys and having their back. And that's what Snickers the king of, you know, I, I know he makes some moves that people don't like sometimes, but his right. players play their asses off for him because they know he has their back. And his it's players invaluable. will will never watch the highlights either at night, unlike a lot of managers, and see Snit in the dugout go, ever. Oh, roll his eyes, body language, nothing, ever. He never ever. shows when a guy makes an error. He never goes this. He never rolls his eyes. He never turns his back. You know, He just has the same look. Yep. If you're a player, man, you got you, that's got to be comforting, knowing that your manager's not listening to people and – Oh, and there's, Emotional. there's so many managers that, you know, and that's another thing that's good at, but there's so many managers, you know, I had it happen to me plenty of times. <laughs> I was on a team, I won't say which one, but I was on a team where I was struggling my ass off and we had a manager that, you know, he'd go out in the outfield and talk to the players. There's cameras everywhere. So, you know, it looks like he's communicating with the players, being a great manager. Right. He'd go out to right field, you know, right center. He's right. talking to all the guys and he'd see you in right center or center field shagging BP. He'd go talk to the shortstop. 
and then he'd, <laughs> and then he'd go out to left center and he wouldn't he you could just feel how disappointed that guy was in you yeah. and so when yeah. you know somebody's disappointed in you and that message is there loud and clear they won't say hi to you in the hallway or they just have this negative energy towards you because they don't understand yeah. how hard the game is and, and it's all about them when that happens and they call you to come into a game you're already yeah. starting off negative you know your confidence is down when that manager treats you the same day in day out you see him in the clubhouse they high five you in the hallway and they tell you, you know, go get them tonight. That, Bobby did that yeah. no matter what. You could suck ass, and right. you, Bobby would take you out of the game, and he'd say the umpire sucked. Yeah. He knows you <laughs> sucked that day. Bobby knows yeah. you shit the bed, but but yeah. they're so good at never passing that energy on to you, no matter how they feel about you. I mean, the number one way you do it is give the guy the opportunity. But that's something that Snit is so good at that'll never yeah. get the credit it deserves. But when you see guys play out of their out of their, you know, above their abilities for a manager like that and, and play yeah. the way they play for Snit and come back, you know, it's it's something for me that that it'll never get credit, but it's there. Yeah. No doubt, man. Something to be said for guys, older older managers that have the gravitas like Bobby did. He didn't have to worry about getting fired or whatever. Plus, he just, right. you know, you, you're going to fire me? I'll just go. I'll have 10 teams to hire me tomorrow, you know. But he just, that, that, but I don't even think he made the decisions based on that. He just based on, he loved players and he knew what, what how hard the game was, having been a prospect himself that got hurt and never lived up to expectations. And Snicker's case, he was a minor leaguer, played like, played hard as hell, but just wasn't that talented. Got to like double yep. A. But another guy that, uh, you know, he's far enough along in his career now. He got sent down. He got he was a scapegoated as a third base coach when they needed to make a man when a coaching staff change. He got the call because he didn't have the, you know, the juice that some other guys did. He was pissed, but he went down and managed in triple A for those years and got another chance. But he's at the point yeah. of his career now that he's like, you know what? I'm not worried about getting fired or whatever. If I get fired, I'm done. I had a great life, I had a great career here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he he makes decisions for the right reasons. In other words, not because he's worried about is this what I should do for my future. Yep. Will the, Will the GM be happy if I do this? Yep. I remember Seitzer saying it one time, and it, it always stuck with me. But he was like, "Man, this game will rip your freaking heart out over <laughs> and over again." And it's all about how how if you can pull yourself back together because this game will just destroy you. But they got a coaching staff full of guys that understand. Yeah. All of them, you know, the whole staff understands everything a player goes through, how hard guys are trying. The guys are never not trying. You know, you yeah. see Luke on, in the dugout last night pulling his hair out. Yeah. How can you not feel bad for the guy? How can you be mad at him? You think he right. doesn't want it more than you do? He gave his whole career for that moment to come in and get right. it done for the team, and he let everybody down. You know, I, it, having a coaching staff that understands that pain and what goes into it and how hard the game is, and isn't mad at Luke, you know, goes and yeah. pats him on the back and tells him he'll get him next time. It's it's so huge. And people have dismissed that kind of stuff when you talk about it and your team doesn't make it to the finals or whatever, make it to the, the to the World Series or gets beat in the NLCS. And they kind of dismiss when we talk about chemistry and that coaching staff. And all. But now when a team that shouldn't be there, according to so many people, is there – why? You could see how important that was to get through what yeah. they got through this year. They would have never got through it without the chemistry that they have and the coaching and staff leadership. they have. And the leadership, <laughs> leadership they have. They would no have chance. been done like the Mets were done. Yep. People forget the Mets led the division for most of the year, much of the first four months. Yep. And then they just collapsed and they had nobody to keep them together. And that's that's so. when you need leadership. That's when you need somebody that knows how to handle that stress and be positive yeah. and I think the it, I honestly think the Braves have a clubhouse full of coaches and players that know how to get through tough shit. Yeah. 
and then a GM that goes out and gets people that can come in and will fit into that because you need it down the stretch. You don't need some asshole who's here looking about his next contracts at the end of his contract. Like a lot of these guys, Rosario's at the end of his contract, but he's not thinking about next year, not worried about this team. You know, these guys came in and fit into the team concept and did whatever they asked him to do, whether that's in the lineup every day or platooning like Jock did for a while. Jock could have attitude. He sat, he sat the last few weeks of the season. And they weren't winning there for a while when they, when he came over and he was he was in the lineup initially, and then you know Soler gets activated, and he he was a platoon guy, and then he was sitting for a while. Yeah, never, never said anything. So and that makes all anyway, the difference. It's all come together for this team. They're playing well at the right time. They're as healthy or healthier than other teams, and uh, I I think they're going to the World Series with a real chance. This team could be World Series champions, dude. After after people wrote them off in the for most of the first four months when they couldn't even get over five hundred until yeah. August. Yeah, and they'll they'll be written off in this series too. Everybody will think the Astros is a better team, but if you've watched well, them all year, especially the last few months, right, you know they're not the team they were in the first half. And I think their performance against the Dodgers probably changes it, where they get a couple more people picking them to win than they did that Dodgers series. Because if you watch them against the Dodgers, and all they you come away lucky. with is, and all you came away with is the Dodgers lost it, the Braves didn't win it, then you ain't watching baseball, man. You're just watching like, payrolls and and names on the back of jerseys, and you're not watching teams perform. They kick their ass. And it's, you know, those big situations, who gets the credit? You know, did the Dodgers not hit with runners in scoring position? Or is Matzik the cheese? You know, did he come in and get it done? You know, I mean, it's everybody can spin it however they want, but this is a damn good team. Yeah. All right. Well, on to the World Series. It's been a long time. I haven't covered a world team. My my team that I cover in the World Series since 97, the Marlins, and they won it. So I want to keep a 2-0 record. I want to keep a perfect record, but on to Houston games, one and two Tuesday and Wednesday day off Thursday. And then back to truest park for the, for three games in the middle and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that place will be rocking, man. World series. There's a world series in Atlanta in a long time. Yeah. I could feel that energy through my TV last night. It was even the first couple innings on TV. You could feel how loud it was in there. So it's going to be packed. All right. That's it. 755 is real. And we will be back again from Houston. All right. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 